So I'm going to be continuing in our preaching series called Just Like Us. So it's where we're looking at people who are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 that, are, that have got stories that are filled with faith. But they are normal people, just like you and me, just like us. Brian started our preaching series a few weeks ago looking at Hebrews 11 and looking at what faith is. And Josh spoke last week about Abraham and Sarah and how they had a faith that endured all things. Do have a listen to them on our website if you have missed them. So as I've said, this morning I'm going to be looking at a story of a lady who is mentioned in chapter 11 of Hebrews. And her faith saw her act. So if you haven't read through Hebrews 11, please do that. But we are going to jump straight to verse 31. It's a really short verse. It says, By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had, a, she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Whew, there's some meaty words in that verse, aren't there? Prostitute, disobedience, spies. Sounds a bit like a Bond movie. But perhaps, like me, you're a little bit intrigued as to why Rahab even has a mention with all these other incredible people in Hebrews 11, particularly given her lifestyle. So we're going to have a quick look at part of Rahab's story, and we're going to look at Joshua chapter 2. It says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land especially Jericho. And they went and came into a house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, true, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, 
our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there for three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterwards you may go your way. The men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers and all your household. Then, if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. What a story. Now her story continues in later chapters in Joshua where we see her household and her family saved because she placed the scarlet cord in the window. So I just want to kind of recap that story in Joshua. There was a lot there that I've just read to you. So the Hebrews, that's Joshua's people, the Israelites, were camped at Shittim in the Jordan Valley across from Jericho. And Joshua sent two spies to examine the fighting force of the city. Now Jericho was a gated city in Canaan and God had promised the land of Canaan to the Israelites many years before. So Moses, who you might have heard us speak about before, he had actually sent some spies into Jericho, but they had become so scared of the enemy that they bred that fear and paralysed their people. And their inaction in going to war and claiming that land of Jericho comes to mean a lack of faith. But a generation later, Joshua is leading, and he, spent, he sends those spies to look over the land. Now the spies hid in Rahab's house, which was constructed into the city walls. And I really think that was such a God-ordained moment. You know, they needed to escape, and there her house was, right by the gate. But when the gate had been closed after those pursuers had left, they were able to get out the window. Isn't that amazing, just how God works? We see him work like that in our lives. We've got so many stories. And he was doing the same all these many, many years ago. The men were sent to seize the spies and they asked Rahab to bring them out. But rather she had hidden them. She covered them with flax on the roof, protecting them from capture. After escaping, the spies agreed to spare Rahab and her family after they had conquered the city. And by placing that cord out of the window, Rahab secured hers and her family's safety. When the city of Jericho fell, Rahab and all of her family were saved from the agreement she had made with the spies, and they were included among the Jewish people. Her faith and obedience in God saved her and her family. Her actions, giving somewhere to hide the spies and sending the Canaanites in a different direction, saved her. She risked 
her own life by lying to the Canaanites as she put her faith in God. So I've got two points that I would like to share this morning. Only two, a bit controversial. The first one is faith in action, and my second one is your past does not define you. So faith in action. Rahab's story is full of many things that we can learn, but we mustn't miss the point that she was a prostitute. That was her trade, it was her job. The men hid there because people would be accustomed to lots of strangers going in and out of her house at all hours of the night. We also can't deny that she told a lie. So is there anything good that we can say about her? Well, yes. That verse that we read at the very beginning, Hebrews 11, verse 31, starts by saying, by faith, Rahab. It means she was a believer. She knew God. It's amazing. And her transformation happened through a series of small, brave actions of faith. Rahab's actions are later mentioned in James chapter 2 as a true example of living faith. James writes, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Her actions saved lives and revealed her heart of faith. Despite her background, her faith and actions worked together to reveal her as a woman who believed in God. The process of transformation for Rahab involves a series of small actions. So I'm just going to go through them as we have a look at that story again. So I think her transformation started when she decided where to stand. Rahab is clear that she stands on the side of the Israelites. She's no longer saying, I'm with the Canaanites. She even lies to them. Rahab has heard all of the miracles that God has been doing for Israel. She believed that his promises would absolutely be fulfilled and that his threats of taking over Jericho and wiping those people out, they would take effect. And there was no way of escaping apart from submitting to him and joining with his people. The conduct of Rahab shows that she had a real principle of faith. She was getting those foundations in place. In her conversation with the spies, Rahab declared her faith, saying, The Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. And there it is. Your God is God. An unmistakable statement of fact and a confession of faith. Rahab told these spies what they already knew. Your God is the supreme God. He is better than anything I have known before. He is better than anything that has kept me from you and that your God is not just the God of an earthly existence but one who rules the heavens and the earth. Her faith and confession led to her salvation and so it is with us. In Romans 10 it says for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. For those of you that are Christians here this morning, you perhaps said a, a believer's prayer as we dubbed it, when you said, yes God, I believe in you, I accept you as my Lord and Saviour, I believe in you and I confess my sins. I joyfully repeat that every time, 
Somebody says those words. It's not just a once thing. It can be. It is just a once thing. You say that, you believe in God, you are saved. But it's amazing to repeat it. Yes, God. Yours and yours only. You are amazing. You are greater than any circumstance. I believe in you. Rahab's faith in action continues when she acts courageously. She fiercely protects her family. She risks her life for them. The deal that she made with the spies centered on taking care of her family. Her faith in action, another small step continues when she keeps her word. She didn't tell any of the other Canaanites what the spies and what the Israelites were planning. She honors her promises without hesitation. Even under threat of a massive battle and war, she does what she says she will do. She kept her word. Her transformation continues when she's a little bit cunning. Rahab admits to seeing the spies, but not revealing where they are when the king's messengers come to visit. She diverts them away to a surrounding wilderness outside the city gates. Another small act of faith in action continues when she teaches her family. Rahab experiences transformation by relying on God. God was really new to her and she trusts him. She acts out of obedience to him and his people and she is blessed in being brought into the family of God and being spared from death. Her legacy is to continue to transform communities by training her son to act honourably. I'm going to come back and talk about her son soon. And as a result of Rahab's faith and actions, the two men promised to protect her and her family when the Israelites returned. At the battle of Jericho, the walls of the city fell down and we know that her house was in there. That's where she lived. And all of the people of Jericho were defeated, but Rahab's family was spared. Whilst we might not be living in a place where there is a war imminent, there are many ways that we can put our faith into action, just like Rahab did in North Hull and beyond. When was the last time you spoke to a non-Christian about your faith? When was the last time you risked your friendship with them to speak against what they believe or how they behave, to tell them the truth, the grace, the joy, the peace, the love of Jesus? Or perhaps you feel like Rahab did before she became a believer, so you doubt how you can put your faith into action. But remember here, Rahab's transformation came from a series of small, courageous acts of faith. And that's all that we have to do too. Small, brave, courageous actions. So my next point is, your past does not disqualify you. It prepares you. As I was preparing to speak today, I felt strongly that God wanted to challenge us on how we name ourselves and other people. Something that really strikes me is how Rahab is still known throughout the Bible as Rahab the prostitute. I think it's really helpful that we know her lifestyle because it shows us that anybody can be saved, just like you and me. We were all sinners and yet God loves us and redeems us 
And no matter our past, God asks us to believe in him and live out our faith through action. And when we do, God can use it in powerful ways to change lives both now and for eternity. But I believe Rahab's story also gives us an understanding that we may not know all that we think we know about somebody. When I think of some friends and even some friends here, I don't know all of their family backgrounds, their struggles, their circumstances, but only by listening to their stories and really hearing them can I gain a better understanding of their lives, their perspectives, their hopes and their dreams. I can become aware and more appreciative of another person's strengths, their resilience and their faith. And this process of sharing stories and listening to one another helps deepen friendships and build a stronger sense of community. We can't not look at Rahab's life too. She did lie. Something we know that is not of God's goodness for us. The Bible is full of verses that say, do not lie. It is that simple. God hates it. I think it's important though for us to remember that Rahab had just made that decision to become a follower of God, to believe in him. Now I have heard many stories of people's lives being changed 180 degrees. They become completely different the moment they say to Jesus, I'm yours, I want to be part of your family, I believe in you. But I have seen so many more new believers have their lives transformed as they learn more about Jesus and what the Bible says about their lives when they listen to it. Rahab's lying was wrong, but it came from a good place and was probably a habit that she had for many, many years, possibly due to the culture and the people that she surrounded herself with, but also because of her lifestyle choice. I think there's a lot of room for forgiveness for Rahab as she's at the beginning of building her faith. I wonder what you might be known as if we continued in the way that a lot of the Bible writers explain Rahab. Sarah the sinner. Perhaps a little bit too vague. Sarah the control freak. Sarah the impatient. Sarah the doubter. Sarah the angry. There's a lot, there's a long list. Because all of those sins in my life, whether or not I have doubt with them or I'm coming through them, I know that if I give them over to Jesus, who died for me on the cross so that I would be forgiven, I can live in the fullness of God. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And I love that word behold in there. It's like, it's not just oh, the new has come. It's, behold, the new has come. This is amazing. Jesus did the same for you. Rahab was redeemed through her faith. And I wonder if we perhaps base it on the rest of that Hebrews verse in 31. Perhaps she might be known as Rahab the friendly welcomer. We know that she was a was she friendly, she welcomed friendly the spies. But perhaps God calls her in heaven Rahab the heroine. Rahab became a new creation 
just like we do when we become Christians and choose to follow Jesus. Please give time to reflect on what you might be calling yourself or other people. We don't have much more information on Rahab, but we know that she continued to live with the Israelites, so I think we can assume that her life continued to be transformed after becoming a believer. Now, many people can become intimidated by Jesus. They kind of align him with grand, ornate structures of churches, stained glass windows, beautiful sounding choirs, pipe organs, formal prayers. To many in the world, Jesus seems too good to be true. Now, I don't know if you have read much of the Bible, but some of the chapters are full of genealogy, that's family lines, who was whose parent, grandparent, uncle, brother, sister, sometimes mother, and so on, until they get to great, 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 and some more grandparents. The lists can go on for ages and pages and pages in your Bibles, and they might sound really boring, but they hold a lot of insight. I'm going to read a short passage or a short part of Jesus's family line, his genealogy, from Matthew chapter 1. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth. And it continues. But did you catch something? This is Jesus' family line. Jesus was a descendant of Rahab. Rahab the prostitute. What? What? Jesus? Absolutely. And this family line is in the Bible because it lets us know that Jesus' background was very similar to yours and mine. I'm sure we've all got family members that were like, keep them in the corner. I know I do. But Jesus called himself the friend of sinners. He did not come to call the righteous. He came to bring sinners to repentance. We've seen that Rahab is mentioned as the mother of Boaz. And if you haven't read the story of Ruth, it's just a short part of the Bible. There's only a few chapters. I really encourage you to read it. Such a beautiful story. As the mother of Boaz, Rahab most likely passed along the need to protect the innocent and honour promises. Years later, when Ruth arrives with Naomi, She's unaccompanied by a male relative, something that wasn't common in those times. Boaz asks his men to watch over her. This directive makes sure that no man takes advantage of Ruth. Rahab's past taught her family some incredible values, which may have been very anti-cultural in those times. Rahab's past did not define or did not disqualify her or her family. In fact, it prepared a way for Boaz to behave the way that he did and treat Ruth with honour and care. And our pasts don't need to define 
or disqualify us. They can prepare us for what is to come. Our stories of how God has redeemed us, how he has saved us as we have become Christians, just as he did with Rahab, are stories that people want to hear. Your non-Christian friends and family want to hear these stories. They're amazing. The moment you said to Jesus, I want to be in relationship with you, I want to follow you. That's incredible. That's amazing. It doesn't matter if you were brought up in the church and you became a Christian that way. It doesn't matter if you were a drug addict whose life was changed in a matter of moments. There is no difference between those stories for Jesus at all. Jesus is like, both of those people have said yes to me. That's amazing. That is so, so cool. People want to hear your story. It's a great way to build relationships with your friends and families. Just say, look at what God has done for me. And he can do it for you too. So there's a couple of ways that I would like us to respond this morning. We're going to respond in two parts, but don't worry, I'll talk you through both. The first part is that I would like us to spend some time in prayer and worship. Rahab knew that God is God from what she would have seen and heard of him doing and what was happening around her. If you are not yet a Christian here this morning and would like to know God, a great way for you to do that is to think about how you would know God exists. Do you need peace? Do you need forgiveness? Do you need restoration in a relationship? Do you need healing? Well, you can fill in this gap. All you need to simply say to Jesus is, I want to know that you are real. Please show me by healing my leg, restoring the relationship with my mom, giving me peace over my finances, whatever it might be. And we want to pray that for you too. So if you would like prayer for that, please come and see me and Josh at the end. We would love to pray for you. Perhaps your past or even your present is stopping you living the fullness of God and all that he has for you. I want you to take this and hold on tight to it. It isn't who you were that matters to God. It's who you are in him and who you are becoming by the power of his spirit. Like Rahab, toss out that scarlet thread and say with conviction, here I am God, save me. I want to encourage you to spend this part of our response time saying, here I am God, save me. Ask God to forgive you and receive his forgiveness. The same grace that, is, that Rahab experienced is now available to you and to me. I invite you to come and be forgiven. Jesus has already made the first move. He died on the cross for you and for me. The next step is up to you. Remember, he is not intimidating. He is like our friend. He is our friend. That is what is said in the Bible. And just like you would speak to your friend, is how you can speak to Jesus. And after we've done this, I'm going to come back and we're going to get into small groups and discuss something. But I really do, during this, as Brian plays, you don't have to sing, you can if you want to. 
But I just want you to spend that time with Jesus. And if you, as I say, are not yet a Christian, ask God to reveal him to you. And if you need to receive forgiveness, say, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry for this sin. Save me. And then receive his forgiveness.